Oh, snap, snap, snap. The world is finally waking up to the crap that's baked into and sprayed on kibble dog food. No longer can commercial pet food manufacturers fool us with pretty pictures and false promises. This is the raw dog food truth. The view and opinions expressed on this podcast are not intended to replace medical advice. Before starting any raw diet, do research, ask lots of questions, and consult your vet. Well, hello, raw feeders. I'm Dee Dee Mercer Moffat, the CEO of Raw Dog Food and Company, where your pet's health is our business and we're friends like my friend, Dr. Andy. Friends don't let friends feed kibble. Absolutely not. Right. We don't. We yeah. try. But they sneak it in sometimes. They just oh, do. Yes. Sneak it yes. in because they got to have the crunchies. I'm like, why? Why do they? add the Skittles. I'm like, Ooh. Oh. Yeah, Skittles, donuts, all that kind of stuff. Um, what we are going to talk about today is letting your dog decide on his treatment. And so I'm very curious, Dr. Andy, how do I let my dog decide uh, what they want in an assessment with you? But before we do that, uh, your favorite coffee is Bulletproof, is what you said. Bulletproof <laughs> coffee. Yes. What yes. what's up with the bulletproof? Is it like super strong? What is it? Oh, I'm like, where'd that come from, Didi? Yes. Um, I only drink bulletproof. It's not super strong. It actually was started by Dave Asbury Asbury many, many years ago. He actually sold it. It's um touted as, and I've actually had it muscle tested on myself to have less mycotoxins, less mold. It claims no mold in it because a lot of our coffees have a lot of mold and microtoxins. Stop in it. it now. Mm-hmm. Stop it. Yeah, I know. I I have a friend out in uh, North Dakota who is a coffee roaster. And she never wanted to take her coffee into the stores or sell it that way because she's like, by the time you get it, it's moldy and gross. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, you know... Is it true? Is that their, I think it's their target. I think they do a good job of trying to get there, but of course it, it comes, I order it through Amazon. It sits places like there's only so much you can do, I think. Um, but I do, I did figure out, I can't drink um, our favorite one that starts with an S, right? Like mm. I always thought it was just because it was too strong, but I think it is because it's so moldy, moldy and full of mycotoxins. I right. just, my stomach just revolts. I've actually had to like put it down. I never actually particularly liked it, but they the black. It. It's very yeah. yummy in those drinks they make, which is also full of circulose, sucralose, Splenda. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All of Starbucks is full of Splenda. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You mean all their fufu? All their all their fufu drinks of all the kinds, even the chai and all that. Mm-hmm. Oh, are they trying yeah. to kill us too? I think so because they don't even bother to try to get, you know, um, fair trade coffee or organic, none of their stuff. I mean, their marketing's beautiful, but none of their stuff is actually. It's convenience. Yes. Back to that convenience. Yes. Convenience kills. Of course it does. Mm -hmm. All right. So you don't, you know, you, you, you don't do things that are convenient sometimes, right? Because what you do, Dr. Andy, takes a little while. It's sometimes we can get immediate results from going to the chiropractor, yep. uh, but not always. Sometimes it takes maybe six months. Who knows? Maybe six months, maybe right? a year. Right. Um, yeah. And the 
patience is a virtue and most people don't have it. Not today. Uh, Not today. Absolutely not today. Um, And then with the chiropractic. So what I ask people when they first come in is for three visits. That's minimum. And most people can't even, most people don't even do that. (laughs) Um, And they, we do the one visit, usually the animal's better for a little while. And then they go back down, they backslide a little bit kind of to where they were. That's kind of normal. I tell people that second visit, my favorite visit, because then we get, we kind of get to the little bit of the meat of the issue, whatever it may be. And then by the third visit, the animal is comfortable with what I'm doing. That's kind of where I want to get to. And and is that the point where you ask the animal what they would prefer or we, or not yet? I'm always asking because I use that muscle testing that we, we talk about and I try to explain on, on audio. Um, But I'm always muscle testing. So I'm always asking the body what needs to be adjusted. Which way is the pelvis torqued? Which way is it rotated? Which SI joints involved? And I will joint play so I can, I actually contact, it doesn't, I know it looks like I'm just pulling hair. If you've ever been in to see me, I'm not just pulling hair. I'm actually going past that and contacting the bony processes underneath and we'll joint play. And then I will muscle test. And if I get a yes, then we go ahead and adjust. From there, I can even go into which angle do I need to go? Which angle does this need to be adjusted? And I will muscle test that and ask the body. So I'm constantly asking the animal's body. And I'll ask sometimes, are we done? Usually I don't have to ask. Usually the dogs like will sit most, the vast majority will sit there, sit there, sit there. And then all of a sudden they're like, whoop, off the table, we're done. So we're done. And I, I take their word for it. Okay, because that's what I was going to ask you. Could they be wrong? Mm -hmm. I mean, could they just say that's a little bit uncomfortable? I want to get down. And you're like, yeah, but we really got to finish this. Yes, there is that. Like if they're only up there a minute and I've only done one pattern and they're like, I'm like, no, 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 no. (laughs) You just don't want to do anymore. But if they've been up there and we've gone through, I do a bunch of patterns, um, five patterns, and I'm just about done. And it's kind of a first visit and I'm like, yeah, we can be done. You know, we can, I can take your word for that. Um, but it does depend. And some are every other pattern. They're like, I'm done. No, you're not. Come here. And it takes, you know, it takes those three visits for me to really get to know this animal too. Um, and what is them just going, ah, I don't want to do this today. Or them going, yeah, I'm really done here. This is enough for me. Um, and it, it, it takes a little bit of finesse to figure that out. That's the experience we talk about. Um, 20 years of experience with dogs tells me a lot of when I'm doing, I'm, I'm, I'm always attempting not to do too much that first visit. Um, sometimes it still happens and the dog crashes for 24 hours. They're just laying around. They're just not interested in doing anything. They may, may appear to be a little bit more sore. Um, I always ask the owners, text me this. There's nothing we can really do about it. We just have to wait it out, but I want to know. So for next visit, I need to know where their threshold is with everything. Is it easier to adjust dogs that aren't fat? Yes. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) It's easier to adjust people that aren't fat. Right. Um, It's easier to find, like a greyhound is amazing. 
because you can see all the spinous processes. You can see the, the um, iliac crest. You can feel all the bony processes everywhere. It's like amazing, so easy. Now on the flip side, when you get very senior dogs that don't have any muscle mass, mm. that actually gets a little difficult um, because there's no, there's very little joint play. They're just kind of stiff. Um, and I think I've mentioned this before. There are some dogs that just kind of get too old for chiropractic. Um, they just kind of get too skinny, too muscle wasting um, to do much with. Do you yeah. think that um, if if a dog is eating a species appropriate raw diet, okay, that in their senior years they have better muscle tone and more muscle than a kibble fed dog in those senior years? Absolutely, ninety five percent of the time. Absolutely. I mean, there's always your anomalies on either side of the bell curve, but absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's take a, a take a look at Asta. Take a look at you know my mate Jack Russell, who will be fifteen this spring. He's got awesome muscle mass. Yeah, you gotta wonder what's going on uh, with the protein, and and uh, one of the things that um, gets said out there a lot is this comparison of protein in dry dog food versus raw dog food, right? People are always wanting. So I had, I had a um, breeder who had told their client that their puppy needed to be on 20% protein like it was in kibble. And so uh, Neely sent me this great, and it, this was so funny because Dr. Connor Brady actually addressed this issue in a, in, in a beautiful way that, you know, I won't go into today, but it's not the same protein, guys. I mean, most of it's plant protein. It's been denatured. Uh, the enzymes have changed. So on, on another podcast, I'm going to go over that whole thing that Dr. Brady talked about because it really does explain it. And he helps everybody uh, kind of push back on the people in the pet food stores that are saying that, or the vets that are saying that, you know, clearly they don't get that, that those protein levels are not the same. They're not the same. There's no way they can be. And, and yes, the vast majority of it is plant-based. So you're not assimilating. It's not a complete protein right there, right then and there. And then you're not assimilating it and it's processed and it's this and it's that. It's just not the same. No. It's not, it's not, it's not good stuff. And in the next podcast that you and I do, we are going to talk about hydrolyzed protein and what that really is. Um, so tune in next week for that one, you guys. But I want to ask you um, about MCT oil, MCT oil. What what do you like about MCT oil and how is that different than coconut oil? Because I've said, you know, we've done podcasts on the coconut oil and the way that that actually does cause inflammation in the body. It triggers certain things It cause inflammation. It's a medium trans fat. You know, years ago, they really were coming out with that's anti-microbial. Yes, <laughs> microbial. Microbial, microbial, there, there it is. It's microbial. Yeah, and all that jazz. And it, you know, they came out with all this stuff that I don't think really had much research behind it. But let's talk about MCT oil because I don't really deal with MCT oil too much. You know, I know a lot of people put it in their coffee, put it in their food for themselves. 
What say you on the MCT oil? I don't have that much either, honestly. I just bought another bottle. I haven't had any in my house for years and squirting it in my coffee. I haven't squirted in the pet food. Um, but I do know the um, MCT oil that's just the six, eight, it's six, eight, and 10, how many bonds are in the chain, right? And those mm -hmm. are all medium chain. And if you can get the eight, if you can get six, that's great. But if you get the eight, it's easier to digest. So we actually talked about this, this little bit on my YouTube live a couple weeks ago. Um, I have uh, a good friend and client and she feeds raw and her little um, chihuahua she rescued had seizures. Well, she's now had her over a year and she's had three or four. So we're on the right track. Like she's not a seizure dog all the time. She's not on any meds but she was feeding a really lean meat and she think that might've triggered it. There wasn't enough fat. There wasn't enough um, ketosis going on to feed the brain, help support the brain and its energy levels. And so she added some MCT oil. That's what we discussed that to up the fat a little bit without upping the fatty meat for this particular dog. And so if she, I think she just got an MCT oil, she didn't particularly get uh, an eight, which I know you can get from Bulletproof. Oh, <laughs> I oh. haven't bought their MCT oil, but they have their own MCT oil. That's all the um, M8. I think is and, and there are some health benefits of MCTs, like it fuels the brain. It forms ketones that improve cognitive function in older dogs. And, and I would guess older people. It reduces the number and severity of seizures. Um, helps with weight loss, lowers your blood sugar levels, reduces chronic inflammation. And here's that word, antimicrobial and antibacterial. Um, so they're digested differently than the LCTs, which are what yes. uh, are in the, the most uh, fats that your dogs eat. So what they were the saying, fats, right? yes, yes. Yeah. So here's here's what they were saying about coconut oil, dogs, and inflammation. It, it shows that it can cause leaky gut. And uh, it says that coconut oil increases the amount and the toxicity of LPSs. So LPSs are a different type um, of fat that your dog, you don't want those dogs to have. Dr. Gene Hoff says this, Dr. Andy. Now, people say a lot of things, right? But she was doing some research and she said, there's no good psychological reason to feed coconut oil to pets. Um, and she says, um, most of the benefits in coconut oil are not unique and many other fats will do the same and they're safer and healthier. So who knows? Who knows? Um, so if you... You know, if, if you're having any problems, then pull the coconut oil out. And they say, if you want to start giving your dog MCT, start with a small amount, about an eighth of a teaspoon for small dogs, uh, because it can cause the runny poops right out the sphincter. Yeah, uh, the body has to get used to digesting that fat. Like yeah. the liver has to get used to it. The gallbladder has to get used to it. I mean, just if you started squirting, a tablespoon into your coffee, it might be sending you to the bathroom too. run into the bathroom. So it just work up slowly. It's not a bad thing. It's not, Oh my God, we have to stop, but you, we have to work it up. Yeah. My understanding is the MCT goes straight to the liver. Um, and then the liver kicks out the ketones. So it doesn't have to be 
digested as much as our long chain fatty acids. MCT or coconut oil or wherever you land on all of that is not the same as your omegas for your dogs. Right. Those oils do not have the omegas in them. Right. It's different. So just be aware of that too. Yes, yes, yes. Um, okay, so before we go, we've got about 10 more minutes. I want to address this um, issue that you say that Cairo, the Cairo immune system relationship hind end versus front end assessment. Um, talk to us a little bit about what that Cairo immune system relationship is. Um, because chiropractic supports, um, improves, um, maintains the entire neurologic nervous system, you're going to upregulate all the other systems that rely on it, right? Like if you're um, allowing that conversation between the brain and all the neurological pathways to all the limbs and to all the organs, nerves go to the organs too, folks. Um, they all come out of the spine and innervate your organs along with all the muscles that move all the limbs. Um, you're going to upregulate all those other systems that rely on it the immune system, the endocrine system, your digestive system. Um, it's all interrelated. And conventional medicine, conventional vet medicine has always compartmentalized everything. Oh, you have a gallbladder issue. Oh, you have a knee issue. Oh, you you know, it's, it's not that. It's all related. How is that knee affecting the hip that's affecting the pelvis that's affecting the opposite front limb? Um, you know, you have... And Dr. Tobias is great at talking about this and he doesn't do chiropractic, but he, he's a big supporter of it. Your lumbar spine is not moving like it should. You don't have the joint play in it. You don't. Um, and that's what I look for. That's not what your veterinarian is looking for. They're not, they, they can tell you if it's tight, uh, but they can't tell you which way a vertebrae is rotated and which muscles are super tight and restricting motion. And you're not having your joint play there. How much is that affecting the nerves that go to the kidneys, especially later in life? We have weak back ends constantly in our senior dogs. Those back legs, generally people are going along for the ride. Those dogs are walking. Those dogs are running at the dog park. You know, you see all four limbs moving, but those back legs are not consciously engaged. They're pretty much going along for the ride. Um, and that's where chiropractic massage um, actually going up hills, actually going over cavalettis, actually engaging the rear very differently um, with like fit paws that we've talked about in the past. Um, sit the stands. A lot of our senior dogs stop sitting. And at some point we've got to honor that, but do sit the stands every day just to, in really nice sits, not this sloppy shit. But, you know, sitting with our knees square um, and that butt should quietly hit the ground. I don't think we've talked about this. Mm -mm. Some dogs, when they sit, you hear a thud. Boom. They should not thud. That means they are weak and they're just slamming into the ground. Um, and it should lower quietly to the ground. So listen to your dog sit next time. See what, see what that sounds like. You don't hear it. Good shape. But a lot of the older dogs, and it doesn't actually have to be older dogs. So, some dogs are just super weak in the rear. Um, and we need to get them adjusted and we need to get some exercises on board and 
we maybe even need to change, you know, the type of walks or whatever else they're doing. Well, what do you mean about the senior dogs stop sitting? They just immediately go into a lay down position? Yeah. They're just not as comfortable in a seated position. And is that because something's hurting in the tailbone, in the back, in the knees? We don't know. We don't know. We don't know. It just becomes, in general, their least favorite position. And not all dogs do it. Some are perfectly happy sitting. Um, But the vast majority will either stand or lay down. I've always wondered, doesn't it hurt their tail when they sit down? You would think, right? Yeah. I, I I even see some of them with the docked tails that are like shoved straight into the ground. I'm like, that's got to be uncomfortable. And then like the shepherds, your Danes that have the long tails that get all twisted in weird positions. Um, if you see that as a, a pet owner, untangle that tail. Like get it more comfortable for them. They are just less aware of it at a certain age and it will cut off some blood supply. It will change some things down there. So you do want to fix that tail if you see it all hinky. And where would you see it hinky when they sit down or lay down? When they lay down, sometimes you'll see the senior dogs and they're, you know, they're laying down and their tail is like going the opposite direction. It's not laying flat and with the legs. So go ahead and fix that for them. Asta has the longest tail I have ever seen. Her tail literally drags the ground. We've always called it like the monkey tail, right? Mm -hmm. So it's always been like that. It's super long and it drags the back end. Yeah, that's fine. It's just if she lays down and it's going like the opposite direction from her body, you just want to put it in line. I would imagine that all dogs sit differently. I I call it just as a term is it sit pretty. We want them looking like a statue, you know, leaning forward, knees both bent in the back, um, equal weight on the front legs. Like we want that, like the typical statue look, that's a sit pretty, Um, you know, the labs are notorious for their sloppy sitting, right? Like sitting to the side? Yeah, sitting to the side, kicking out legs. Um, And people think that's just so cute as a puppy. And I'm like, "Uh uh-uh, it's not cute at all. Now (laughs) it's not not cute at all the chiropractor in me is just like oh my god can they sit pretty Mm. and if your puppy can like you ask it to sit and it sits and the knees and the feet and everything's all squared up and they can do that we're probably okay there are some puppies that i've met at six months that physically cannot do that then we are checking hips and knees and there might be a you know we might have some hip dysplasia we might have something going on so when you get those puppies that are super sloppy sitters, make sure they can do it at eight weeks, at nine weeks, like teach them how to sit and make sure it's square and pretty. And if they can do that now, if they have a propensity to sit sloppy, do more of the sit pretty. We want to build those muscles properly. And that's maybe all that's required is we just need to do a little bit more of sitting pretty um, as they're growing to build these muscles. Um, properly. Now you're on a walk, you stop to talk to the neighbor and the dog is bored. They're going to sit sloppy, right? They're going to lay down. They're going to be like, Oh God, what are we doing? That's one thing. Like they all kind of do that. Um, I can't say my standard poodles never sat sloppy. Like they just don't like it is insane. Um, my Doberman never has either, but maybe those longer leg dogs (laughs) have a harder time kicking out legs. 
but you know, if they're just kind of chilling and it's not a big, it's not a big deal, but they should be able to sit pretty. What about do it comfortably? The French bulldogs. What about those big bulldogs? Can they sit pretty? They can. I don't see too many pictures of them sitting pretty. Well, they always have one leg. Nobody asked them to. Hey, yeah, right. (laughs) Oh, sit. And people have their legs sitting in all different directions, but they're sitting, right? Like you said, what am I even asking my dog to do? Or are they sitting like they should? right? Like, you know, their butts on the ground, so they must be sitting okay. Um, So a lot of people don't ask a lot of like the Bulldogs and the Frenchies, and they are not built great for sitting, right? We do have to take into account how that dog is built, but we still want them to be able to do it. They may not be able to hold it for very long. Um, It may not be their preference, but we should be able to do it. What's up with the Frenchies? Frenchies oh, so man-made. What, is that what the problem? I I think yeah. that's what the problem is. We we see yeah. that that is a very very popular dog, and yet we see a lot of issues coming through. Now you know the Frenchie owners would say, "Don't you say that, Didi?" Like I say to Neely all the time about the German Shepherd. She wants to talk about the German. Like, don't you say <laughs> anything? So there there may be some Frenchies out there that don't have any problems. But you've I I remember I was talking to Julia Lee. And we were talking about, um, and you may have heard this conversation that I had with her, but I was asking her what she thought about the Frenchies who we see over and over and over again with high liver enzymes, right? They're, They're asymptomatic. They're not showing anything, but they have these high liver enzymes. They go in for a spay or neuter. All of a sudden, they're like, oh my gosh, you know, my dog has a shunt you know, a liver shunt and this. And and she's like, no, the majority of the time they can't breathe. They're not getting enough air and this is causing liver enzymes issues. What do you see? Um, I wish I saw more of them. And then on the other hand, I don't, I'm not liking their um, disposition lately either. Um, They tend to be a little Um, difficult to work with and they tend to be a little indulged by their owners oh (laughs) because they're tiny and cute yes right you know so hmm but yeah there's the whole palate issue breathing issue um hips and knees issue they they actually have spina bifida quite a bit where the vertebrae and the lumbar spine don't form all the way i always i i joke but it's not joking if you're going to get a french bulldog you better have their own bank account Like they just generally have a lot of problems, but they're also not born vaginally. They're all born C-section. And so they don't get the microbiome from their mother. Like they would, if they were vaginally born, this goes for humans and dogs to go through the vaginal canal. That's where the vast majority of the microbiome comes from. And that's what makes us women. Okay. I digress. (laughs) Um, And everybody gets their mitochondria from the mother. So if we have diminished microbiomes generation after generation after generation, what are we going to start seeing with dogs that are not vaginally born, which is what Boston Terriers, your French Bulldogs. Is it just because they're, they're too big to go through the canal? Yeah. Yeah. The heads are too big. Yeah. That's my understanding. And it's like, okay, if their heads, well, if we're breeding an animal 
so that it cannot be born naturally, it seems like we shouldn't be breeding that type of animal. That's that's my term that I use. It's so man-made. That's man-made, right? Because that would not happen in nature. There would be no more French bulldogs. You can't push that out of vaginal canal. There's no, nature's not helping you with that. Wow. You know, it's it's amazing what we do sometimes, uh, our desires for certain types of dogs, and we're really not doing them any favors sometimes, mm-hmm. right? You you must see that a lot. Certainly, and I can say this about the German Shepherds, the, the show lines, the West German show line, which is what Asta is, these dogs are very angled in the back. And that, that you know, early on, uh, people would say, does she have hip dysplasia, right? Right. Because of the way she's angled and she was perfectly fine at that time, but they were just like, you know, they're like low riders. They are. And And then somewhere decided that was what they wanted them to look like. Yeah. There's, There's no actual good reason for it. Right. And then, and then, you know, you've got Lazzie, who's the working line, and they're just more agile. They're tougher. They're faster uh, because they're not dragging that back end around. Yep. As as our trainer would say, Asta's a fireplace dog. She just sits there <laughs> and looks pretty. And looks pretty. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. Right, right. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for uh, joining the podcast today. Get over to AnimalMagicCare.com. Take a look at Dr. Andy's brand new website. Congratulations, Dr. Andy, with the new site. Thank you. Always a process. It is always a process. These sites have to be changed often. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We're about getting ready to do some new things on ours, too. So, But get over to AnimalMagicCare.com. You can get yourself um, a consult for chiropractic work. You can do a combo chiro and health consult. Um, Maybe your dog's suffering from something that you just haven't been to able to fix. And uh, Dr. Andy can tell you how the chiro immune system relationship will help you and your dog. So get over there. Remember, she does the YouTube live every Tuesday at 6 p.m. You can take your questions over to ScrewTube. I'm sorry, I meant YouTube, uh, where Dr. Andy is. She loves it when I say that. Uh, It's your favorite. Uh, So get over to YouTube live with Dr. Andy. Uh, Get over to Animal Magic Care and get your dog on a species-appropriate diet. Here at Raw Dog Food and Company, your pet's health is our business. And friends, well, we don't let friends feed kibble. We'll see you soon, everybody. Bye, Dr. Andy. Oh, snap. Find out how you can start your dog on the road to health and longevity. Go to rawdogfoodandcompany.com, where friends don't let friends feed kibble and where your pet's health is our business. Just snap.